Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us for live paranormal radio from the paranormal to the unexplained it all happens here it all happens here looking to enhance your radio experience participate in our live video chat 24 7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people live paranormal.com the only interactive social chat room supported by full interaction media stop by now and join the fun stop by now and join the fun It's Haunted Playground on the Live Paranormal Radio Network and iHeartRadio.com. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm an interfaith minister. I'm a 29-year talk radio host in Los Angeles. I'm a creative and a performing artist and a paranormal survivor. And I come to you live from my home in Southern California every Thursday at 3 o'clock Pacific time. This show... Is about all things that live outside of the three dimensions. So whether you want to know is there life after death, is there heaven and hell, are ghosts real, or you think maybe you have a Loch Ness monster in your above ground swimming pool, it all belongs here on Haunted Playground. And every week I gather folks that I believe to be the brightest and most beautiful and loveliest minds and hearts and souls in both the spiritual and the paranormal communities, and we talk about all things that go bump in the night. My guest today is a world-renowned parapsychologist with such a wonderful history of investigations and has made so many advancements in the paranormal world. Um, I interviewed him a couple of years ago on another show, and I so loved having him that I've been working so hard to get him back by both of our busy schedules. Uh, Please welcome to the show. It's my honor to have back here um, the wonderful Dr. Barry Taff is here. Hello, my friend. How are you? It's wonderful to have you here. Fine. Uh, happy to be back. I haven't talked to you in quite a, quite a while, so it's good that you can arrange I know it's it. Thank you. Oh, and, and thank you for arranging it with your busy schedule, too, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been wanting to for such a long time, and I know I'd reached out, and we've been kind of back and forth. And over the last um, six months or so, I've had Barry Conrad on my show a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And, right. um, of course, I went back and watched his documentary about the San Pedro haunting that you were a part mm-hmm. of here in Southern right. California. So you were just on my, you keep getting on my radar, right? Because you're everywhere. And and I think that, um, you know, the, the world is full of paranormal investigators, right? But there are very few parapsychologists and that makes you very different. And um, I think it's so important for everyone to hear your voice. Thank you. Thank you. You know, what's interesting is that when people say they're a paranormal investigator, it's like saying that you have a real life and a job, and when you're not working with your family, you go and chase ghosts. Um, the big sure. problem with this field is that anyone can make, uh, claim, claim sure. to it, make a Because, well, I did this. Yes. No, I mean, I was lucky. A long time ago, I started at UCLA in the lab there and went to graduate school and hope I got my credentials. But what's interesting is that the way things evolved, if someone would have told me what we know now that we didn't know then, I'd be shocked. Because I was a little gullible into thinking that we would learn, should really learn something about some of the phenomena, but not in the way we did. It was, imagine if 
All you ever knew was wood and fire. And suddenly you're introduced to electricity, all the things it can do. You go, wow, no one thought of that. And when yeah. I was at UCLA and, and beyond, there were three areas I was caught up in. One was Dr. Moss, how I met in spring of, of 1990, no, 1969, I forget. She lived very close to me. I could have walked there and I uh, went to talk with her. I knew about her life as a parapsychologist, knew nothing else about her. So we're sitting down, she's asking me questions, and she says, can you psychometrize it? Yeah, I can do that. She gives me her keys, and I knew nothing about her but her professional life. I rattled off some things, blah, 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 that phone, which tuned to be accurate. And I said, I see a really fat, blue-eyed, blonde woman named Shelly who's screaming all the time. Well, that was an accurate, if not unflattering, description of Dr. Moss's best friend, the actress Shelley Winters. Uh, oh, wow. Right. Oh, and so wow. a couple of things like that. But this is where it gets really bizarre. Okay, so when the lab was up and running, you know, which was through 19, was 67 before I was there. So I was there from 69 to almost 1980. And uh, by, by the middle of the 70s, I did a phone call at home. People are calling me. I didn't know you were dating her. I go, who? Susan Strasberg. I go, what are you talking about? She was on some show when she's divorced with a little kid. And they asked you know, who she's dating now. And she said, I'm dating Barry from the UCLA's Paris Psychology Lab. I went, what? I've never met her. I know nothing about her. She's a gorgeous girl. I knew nothing about her. So I, I could, no one, nothing made sense. How would she know my name, let alone where I worked? She didn't say Barry right. Calf, she just said Barry. So a couple of right. years ago, before I left LA, I spent an entire day online cross-referencing information to see what came up that would make it a link between her and me. Okay, so finally I discovered that uh, Susan Strasberg's best friend was Shelley Winters. Ta-da! That's what allowed wow. Susan to probably talk to Dr. Moss. She probably read her two books, both of which I'm in. Maybe she read the studies uh, Dr. Moss did on me. But so now it all made sense to a point. Okay, so she knows who I am or who I was, but why does she think she's dating me? And well, she started using a lot of drugs and kind of spacey and going, okay. Now it gets even stranger. About 12 years ago, I'm in a Xerox place in West Hollywood. They do really cheap Xerox for business plans and scripts or whatever. So I'm waiting. And this really tall guy to my left. And you know, I go, hey, Barry. I go, hello. Don't you remember me? I went, no. Do you remember who? My sister? No. And he read off the name of, of a woman who I recognized but I never met. I said, look, um, I'm glad you think you know me. Because you used to have a silver Corvette with black side pipes. It would shake the house when you pulled up and go, I had that, but I didn't meet you or your sister. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So then, about a week later, I'm at a deli in Van Nuys, down in uh, Sherman Oaks, I guess, Arch Deli, having lunch with friends. So I'm eating, and the guy sitting across from me, looking over my shoulder, he says, there's some woman there staring at you. I turned around. It was the woman that the guy I met at the Xerox place claimed was was she was his sister. Did I go up to her? No, I go up to strange people, especially if they're in the industry, and start talking to them. Why would I? So 
I'm in the Xerox place a few weeks later. There is her brother again, and she, she said, yeah, my sister was really angry to come over to say hello. I go, I don't know your sister. I never met her. I wouldn't forget. She's a gorgeous woman. Why would I forget? So I'm leaving the place, and I said to him, first thing was, the, Larry, I remember his first name. But, um, I said, how did I know your sister? Through Susan? Susan who? Strasburg. Goes, That's it. I'm out of here. So the question is, <laughs> what does this all mean? I mean, weird. Um, working at the lab was interesting because we got a lot of really good things coming to us in terms of work we were able to do. And also we were able to promote it on the right shows. I was on a show, 1975, I in L.A. And um, we, they wanted to come in and do, do talking heads. No, no, can't do talking heads. We've got to do something a little more visually interesting to an audience. So I said, I'm going to take you to a lab, not this one, off campus. It's a holography lab, laser lab, and we're going to talk about holography. He goes, why? Because this is probably what people are seeing when they see ghosts, but where it comes from, God only knows. So we went to this lab, and we did a lot of photography. And um, I did off-camera narration, and it worked really well, so it aired, did a good job putting it together. Okay, it was good. It was better than I thought. And then yet sometime later, uh, it was nominated for an Emmy. This was the first use of holography in commercial television. It was a documentary, more than entertainment. And so it was kind of neat. And then the problems began. Also, two in the town came to our lab. I worked with them. I forgot where what place case I was on at the time. Probably one in in, Holly, in Hollywood, at, on Hollymont Drive. So uh, we're talking, and you know they did the show. And, okay. Now what was really hard is that I didn't know at that time that Dr. Moss did not begin her adult life as a psychologist or a parapsychologist. She was an actress and a writer, and she was a really good writer too. She co-wrote a film called Colossus of New York, and then it came out in. 1957 or 59. Actually, a very good film. Um, there are some paranormal overtones to it, which are interesting. But it was very entertaining. I saw a link to it the other day online. And uh, that was Thelma's maiden name. Schnee or S-C-H-N-E-E, something like that. I just figured, why was Dr. Moss getting upset with the fact that Carrie and I were getting all the publicity? Well, she wasn't. Well, uh, I was in the, oh, let's see, the paper you see, the Bruin, I think three or four times. I made the front page of UCLA Monthly. I just looked to see how young I looked then. But yeah. then Dr. Moss felt that she was cut out. We weren't doing anything to cut her out. The people that came to us, they talked with her, they talked with Carrie and I, and they thought they want to work with Carrie and I. And it was interesting did the first show in, in LA. Um, you see me, the thick quaff of black hair, you couldn't pull a comb through. And then you see Carrie. And Carrie was a really good looking guy. He reminded me of a short Chevy Chase. Very that type of feature, facial features. And Carrie was nervous because right. he had never done a show before. He did a good job on very good. But he was really nervous at one point I thought he was gonna throw up because you know he, he had never been on camera before. It wasn't live; it was recorded. So, but 
it was fun. And then, uh, you know, this is weird. So when I got my, when I graduated, got my doctorate, I filed for or work, not as a parapsychologist, but as a psychophysiologist or a biomedical engineer all over the world, all by mail. There was no email. It was all regular mail. I think I filled out over 100 applications, and not, most of them never came back. About a year and a half later, I think a couple trickled back to me, and they said, you have a lot of nerve asking us to hire you. I, th- I thought, what? And it said, we don't hire celebrities, first of all, and your involvement with the parapsychology might frighten people or make them curious and might produce a hostile work environment because they'd always be asking questions or they'd want to stay away from you. So, I did, you know, what can you do? If I had done all the media work long before I got my doctorate, it might have been better. Long after I got my doctorate, yeah. If I got my degree, then got a job at doing this, might have been a little better, but can't change the past. No, it's uh Right, but I'll right, you something. yeah. We've learned, I've learned some things that I never expected to even run across. Everything I thought we'd learned turned out to be untrue. What we did learn was astounding. Now, I worked in two areas. The first was when Dr. Moss was running a study on me. It was published in a medical journal about me being psychic. Okay, so you're psychic. Uh, elements of uh, telepathy, precognition, and some um, um, medical intuitive stuff popped up. And so it was, it was great, but it wasn't, we weren't going anywhere with it. And what was really odd is that these people kept visiting one of my research groups on campus in the Neuropsychiatric Institute where the lab was. I didn't know them. didn't know who they were. And they were from ONI and CIA and BIA and NSA, all, all this stuff. And they were coming in normal clothes. They would ask us to do things that sounded good. We did where, and apparently some of what we described was so detailed and specific, we had to surrender the tape because they were, it was too risky. Wow. I know. Yeah, okay. But it's, it's a, beside me being studied as a psychic, which was interesting, and it was rather arcade. The journal published the study, but they would not publish the neurophysiological data that was collected on me. Um, normal people, like we're talking now, um, communicating verbally. Uh, when you do it, most people are beta activity. There's more excitation in the brain because you're talking and moving. You know, you're articulating what you're saying. That's normal. But most people produce maybe power-wise some microvolts, low microvolts, maybe to a maybe a hundred microvolts spike. I was putting out over a thousand microvolts while talking, which can't happen. And so. They ran me up on three different EEG devices in the medical center. They had the same thing across the board. And all the people said to me, are you seizure prone? No. You're epileptic? No. But this is what happened. Now, jump to my research group. Now, the group I started is discussed on my website, which is barrytaft.net. And there's an article called Learned Side Training to be Psychic. This was into some detail in what we did. We employed the learning paradigm, positive feedback, and reinforcement um, to help take normal, healthy people 
who were not fought previously having any paranormal experiences and see if we could make it come to the surface. We could promote it or reinforce it. Okay. And it worked better than we thought, but not with every every person. And every so often, this got so interesting, it kind of shocked all of us. Um, they said we had these people coming from the government, but we didn't know who invited them or why they were there. Um, but whatever we did must have worked because we scared them. But then we did things like there was one girl that worked in the lab as a volunteer, and uh, Dr. Ma said she wants to come to the group. I said, okay, can't use her name. She's a somewhat of a celebrity now. And so she was the target, and we just tell her, think about someone you know really, really well, the target. She gives us the first name of some man. We don't know who it is. So we're doing it's a pitch black environment. You can't see your hand in front of your face. So it's par, it's partially it's what do you call it? It's diminished capacity of you're in a controlled dark environment, like an altered state. Okay. And so we're doing our thing. You know, she gives us first name. We see a beautiful home in the in the mountains somewhere, Vera Valley. Beautiful, lush, tropical things around giant glass walls. And I remember I saw a giant kitchen lined with empty jars of bacon bits. Well, I'll never forget to go, what am I thinking of carpet? Anyway, so then <laughs> we start describing that. We then start describing that the person we were looking in on was being viciously beaten and mugged. And so the girl did the feedback session. She takes control of the mic. The actress, you stop and talk about it. If it's not, you let it go. So she said, yeah, he described his home perfectly. He got his name similar, identical, but it was phonetically displaced. Okay. But he's never been beaten up or mugged. What, I, two days later, I got a call from this woman in the lab. And she said, remember the other day when I was part of your group? Yeah. Remember what she said? I go, not really. Oh, by being beaten and mugged. Yeah. Turns out. When we were doing the work at the, in the lab, the exact same time, this man was being beaten and mugged in San Francisco. So what's wow. the source? The woman, the girl didn't know. We didn't know. But there it was. Right. Um, the most profound thing we did, we got bored with the real-time stuff. It was any of no, We did it so it was easy unless something really weird happened. It worked very consistently. You could have bet bet with it. You would have won money. So session, last session of that day, I say here, we're going to take a journey into the future. We're going to describe the randomly chosen target of the first person next week. We don't know who it will be. You know, tall, short, thin, fat, man, woman, whatever. We don't know who it's going to be. So we start describing things. Very tall, blue-eyed, blonde woman, very beautifully dressed like as a model. And blonde hair, blue eyes, very exotic looking. It's a three-story home in the Hollywood Hills. We see a giant baby grand piano. And it's little anyone that could have those things. But we described a really tall man, about 6'5", dark hair, dark eyes, black pants, black shirt, black boots, black cape, black hat, and black mask and an imposing uh, sword. We're losing our money. Okay, so that's what we did. So a week later, people come in, new people that have never been there before. 
they were twice removed from any of us that worked there. And each person got a white envelope that was sealed. It was opaque. We rolled dice. And, okay, okay, rolled it. I forgot what number it was it came up to. We told them, open your, your packet. And they did. And to let us know if the number of the dice meet, matches the number in, in your, on your hands. And some people said, oh, that's fine. Okay, so we told her what to do. Here's the control. Let the tape run. If you hear anything that's relevant and meaningful to you, um, stop it and talk about it. Okay. We described her perfectly, even the clothes, the height, the hair, the face. There were 24 free chairs in that room she could have chosen, each with the number on the bottom, which you could not see when they were on their you know, normal normal position. We named the chair she sat in of her own accord. Could have been good for the three-story home in the Hollywood Hills. They had a baby grand piano. The other stuff came up there. But then she's listening to the description of the tall man in black with the sword and the cape. And she turns to me and she goes, how do you know who I am? I go, what are you talking about? But how do you know who I am? I go, we don't know. I don't know you. Her name, uh, what was her name? Wait, um, Tony Williams. And I'm going, uh, I don't know who it my father played Zorro for Disney. What? Wait, wait. When did you make this recording? A week ago. But I didn't know it was coming here an hour ago. I was chosen randomly. Correct. Then how did you guess this? Well, we didn't guess it. And I was amazed. And I shared this with some academic brethren at the time. And they thought that we guessed. We guessed. And a man looked like Zorro. We didn't even know who the person would be let alone male or female, you know, it amazed us because how can you see the future unless the information is already there? You can't. Right, right. And what it right. seems to be and, is this. And, uh, go ahead. And I'm just going to say, does that lead you to believe yeah. that, that all timelines exist at once? Do you think it's all out well, there and it's just a okay. matter of accessing right. it? Right. Yes, and here's what, exactly make it a little more complicated or less complicated. One day, um, I had to take my cars in the shop, which was not no big deal. I had a kind of a hot rod back then. I had to take a bus back to UCLA at night for work we were doing. So, taking a bus. So the, the light's on in the bus. It's dark outside. And I see myself in the bus. I see my reflection in the window. At the same time, I could see everything outside going by as the bus went down the street. I went, it's that simple, holographic, meaning that information is equally distributed in whatever medium there is. So if I got an 8 by 10 of you, cut it in half, I get half a picture. Cut it in four, get a quarter. Take a hologram, the information that makes it up is equally distributed throughout the medium. You cut that in half and quarters, each piece can still recreate the entire thing, but with less uh, resonance or less detail. So the evidence suggests that we may be tapping into information that's always been there, meaning the past information still exists, the future's information may already exist, and that's how we're able to see things at a distance from us. We're accessing, remotely accessing information, and that's what it all comes down to. Some people could be trained in this, Others could not. And the ones who developed really well had emotional problems coping with it. 
I mean, get really problematic. And therefore, it's, well, yeah. and uh, one time uh, yeah. a guy came in. I don't even remember who he was. So we talked about it was the group. Again, it's sensory-deprived environment for the most part. And we talked. We didn't know who the guy was. He gave us a name. We talked about the fact that the man in the group had murdered someone, gotten away with it. He jumped up, ran, knocked himself out of the door. He couldn't see it that well. And then got up and ran out of the room. He never came back. Um, wow. And then other times things happened that were really bizarre. This woman came to our group. I already met her. She was a poltergeist agent. It's one of my many cases. And um, so I knew a little bit about her, but she didn't want to, she wanted to participate, but she wasn't going to say anything. Okay, everyone's seated, the lights are out, and whatever. Suddenly a giant red ball of light comes flying out of this girl's body, huge, about the size of two heads, zipping on it, lit up the wow. room, everybody freaked out. Then it, when it disappeared. Turned the lights on, Paula, the girl I mentioned, is hunched up in a fetal position in her chair and she's shaking. Uh, okay. Uh, but as far as things red are concerned, we tried doing another precognitive session. Now this is all the way, this is all in my article called Look at Learned Psy Training to be Psychic. We tried one more precognitive session, most people hoping it would work because it upset them. So all we kept seeing was fire, 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 what fire? Okay, whatever. Close out the session to come to this lab the next day. The next day, fire engines are coming to the building we worked in. That room caught fire. One of the outlets behind the curtains shorted. It sparked, and it set the drapes on fire. That's why we saw it. It was wow. So, right. yes, right. it can work so well. It's a little unnerving. And I'll tell you, it wasn't for my having a lot of personal experiences when I was very young, and even today, I don't think I'd believe anyone. But the question is, how do you explain it? You don't bury your head in the sand hoping it's going to go away. Um, when I was 10 years old, it was grammar school, and I looked like I was... Five, maybe. I looked like a little baby almost. And then I walked around to a warm day as a girl walking towards her named Christine wearing a nice sundress, bright blue, and, uh, sky blue with a big uh, flower at the top, a, uh, California, whatever. So she's walking towards me, and this other vision I have under her, the right side of her, of her dress, there was a plastic tube going into her and a plastic bag, and I thought, what's that? So I went up to her and said, uh, Chris, what's that stuff under your dress? She started screaming. They brought me in the principal's office. Said, You're in big trouble. I could get you evicted for that. Thrown out of school. You know, not evicted, but thrown out. We take you to a, a juvenile facility. That happens again. I'm going to have to call your parents. So he called my mom and he told her what happened. And she said, Barry can do that. And the principal went, what? She said, Barry can do that. What do you mean? He can look through things. Huh? And he started yelling. He says, yeah, yeah, you're a damn mom. You're as crazy as your son is. Boom. Hung up. 
So he said to me, if this ever happens again, I will have you thrown out of school, go to a juvenile detention facility. So it did happen again, but I never spoke about it. But before I left the room, I was looking at him. He was probably in his 40s, mid to late 40s, big husky guy, you know. And I'm looking and said, you got that, you know, an appendectomy scar. Now I call it a keloid because I know what that is. Back then I didn't know that term. Right. It's always kind of purple. He turned blue and green and purple on me. Get out, get out, get out. That was that. Another interesting article on my website that talks about the problems related to being a medical intuitive, at least for me, is the article is called, uh, oh, wait, um, a different kind of psychic being a medical intuitive. It talks about a lot of the things that I've dealt with. And it's funny games for people, but then when you do it in front of them, especially if you're doing them, they get they stiffen up and they move away from this uh mm. the guy came out a, a producer of Sherwater came out to meet me about about four or five years ago. So he didn't know anything about me except what he read. And so him and his wife came out all the way from Los Angeles to Palm Desert. That's nice, nice guy. And he said, okay, what's wrong with me? I don't remember what I said, but I was accurate. And as predicted, these people stiffen up and they move away from you. And he did. Then his new wife, what's wrong with her? She was like half his age. And I said, well, she's got a broken clavicle. And she goes, how did you know that? I'm seated in front of you. Let me, how did I know what I'm looking? And whatever. And then he wanted to work with us creating a show. A, uh, uh, a live but a action thing not a not a general reality show dramatic show right and he was so unnerved by what I did that he and what he read about me what I wrote I can't deal with this it's freaking me out I, I can't do it I can't do it it's scaring the hell out of me and he said the guy's an award winning writer and producer everything he does yeah. seems to work but he couldn't be around me because it made him very unnerved, very uncomfortable. There's, and, you know, there still is a is, terrible fear of it, right? And I saw that well, growing it, up with um, my mom being gifted, um, mm. just keeping it to herself because she she told when she would tell people they would go away, so she just stopped telling mm-hmm. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've um, it, it, but see sometimes. It happens when I'm not, like when I mentioned when I was in grammar school, a little girl walking towards me. I don't want it. It just comes on. Um, sure. Well, I went to of see course. a screening of The Dark Knight when it came out at the Director's Guild in Hollywood. And so I, my friend and I, we met there and we seated, just seated, and the movie starts. And suddenly I'm getting terrible cramping and spasming in my bladder. Oh my God, what's going on? And then she got a call from her daughter. She had a leak. Okay, so she's. No, you go, you don't pay when you go to the grocery store. You you get brought in because you know the right people. We're on our friends list. Right. She left. Right. And within a matter of minutes, my pain went away. I watched the movie and it was great. A couple of days later, a friend calls back. She goes, "How was the movie?" I said, "Well, it was pretty good, but my bladder is killing me." She goes, "That's funny. I had a really bad bladder infection." So it's yeah, <laughs> it's right, um, right. Yeah. Um, so you're not just girl. you're not just an intuitive, 
Dr. Taft, but you're but also it, an empath where you actually feel well, other people's it, stuff. Yeah. Um, when it's hard. Uh, yeah, it, it's and I can turn it on when I want, but I can't stop it from happening. This girl I dated, oh, this was more than 20 years, about 20 years ago, and she lived about 30 miles away, big deal. And so we're involved, and we're, we're, you know, I get these horrible images, and I couldn't stay with her. I said, look, I can't see you anymore. I said, you're really sick. You just don't know it yet. She went, what? I said, you have a prolapsed mitral valve. What the, it's a heart valve. Yep, turned out she had it. And then the girl wow. I met in a blind date in oh, the 80s in uh, somewhere, I guess, in, somewhere in the San Fernando Valley having dinner. And she met me through a friend of hers who was a, uh, a taxi director. So it's very attractive. Remember the old TV series V? Remember back in yes. the 80s? Sure, yes. This, yeah. this girl looked like the lead actress with the dark hair and the blue eyes. forgot her name, but. Very similar look. Right. For eating yes. dinner, and she says to me, uh, oh, your friend said you're psychic. What can you do? I go, here we go. I said, I can diagnose you. She goes, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I said, do my thing. I said, well, let's see, you have multiple problems. First, you have some uh, upper GI problems that haven't fully manifested yet. You have a, you have a endometriosis. Didn't even know what that was. A couple other things. Uh, I don't know. Went to her doctor, and she, everything I said was confirmed. And the doctor called me, how did you know this? Did you x-ray her? Yeah, but not with any machine. <laughs> yes, like you brought an x-ray to the machine. dinner party. Yeah, yeah. You carry so, it with you. <laughs> yeah. So the point of it is, um, I, she was getting ill with age. I couldn't be around her either. Um, the but, but sometimes it, it backfires. I'm in the theater. My friends are to my left, but to my right is a stranger. And suddenly, they're kind of burning or cramping. And he, and he said, wow, I told my friend really feel. And I described what I was feeling. The stranger seated to my right had that condition. So it's, I can't, I can't, I can turn it on, but I can't turn it off. And what this right. comes down That's to hard. is, this, in civilization, Western civilization, if, if you're unique, like you're an actor, director, a writer, producer, you're an athlete, you're an astronaut, you do something extraordinary, people look up to you and look what they're doing. Oh, wow, they're famous teachers or writers or whatever. Athletes, but if the way you differ from other people is not in any way similar to others, people don't be the path to your door. Um, yes. When yeah. in 2013... One of my colleagues is a medical doctor. I've known him since the lab days. And so he brought his new girlfriend to me, me and her children, who wanted me to diagnose them. Well, I said, don't tell me anything. I don't even want to know their names. So they come in. It's a woman, really attractive, um, and looked like Tom, uh, uh, Tom Cruise's last wife. Very similar look. Uh-huh, sure. And brought her kids, a little boy and a girl. So they're seated. I looked at the boy, and I for the strangest thing I've ever seen, his frontal lobes of his brain were missing. There was just a dark, vacuous oh. space in there. I'm going like, what the? And I tell my colleague, Ken, he goes, yeah, he's got cephalite uh, uh, yeah. in his brain. And 
The problem is he eats away your brain. And it was just, it was like, like seeing inside of a grapefruit and half of it's not there. Corticosophilitis. Right. Sure, yes. That's what it is. Then I looked at the mother and I said, boy, you must have smoked a lot. You've got your lungs look like dark brown paper bags with black spots on them. Yeah, COPD. At that point, she grabbed, wow. jumped up and ran out. You, you told them all. You told them all about me, which she didn't. Um, right. It's a little. It's a little unusual because, um, it, it, yeah, it, it's the single thing I'm able to do. One of the reasons Dr. Moss worked with me was that I was her psychic pet, so to say. I could turn my ability on with ease, but I sometimes couldn't turn it off. Um, right. The when I just now this is what's interesting. Uh, the idea that the information that makes up the past is here. Information that makes up the future is here. Same thing, miles away or hundreds of miles or kilometers doesn't make any difference. So that means that if let's say that the storage of our long-term memories are not stored in our brain. That's been researched and somewhat validated. And the way we access our memories is through a remote process. Just that the paranormal isn't paranormal. It's just the way we're built. But we tend to draw a lot of it because it's uncomfortable. Sure, then sure. We jump, yeah, then we jump to the poltergeist investigation, thousands of them over the years or the decades. And the most unusual was right now, okay, let me explain something to make it simple or straightforward. If you've got a DVD in your hand, what do you need to watch it? You've got to have a DVD player. It's got to be connected yeah. to the TV, and the TV and the player must be connected to the outlets. If any of that ensemble is right. missing, nothing happens when you plug it in. You, know, you also need a remote to control it, turn it on and off. Um, so if any part of the ensemble is missing, nothing happens. I'd say that over, since I started this view, there, there are two ways of doing research in the world. One is you come up with a hypothesis. You then conduct an experiment to prove or disprove your theory. And you try to replicate it to true. But there's some in some of the paranormal you can't bring it into the lab because you don't know what it is. You can't coax it into a different environment. If that's the case, you've got to collect data over a really long period of time and look to see if there are any patterns in the longitudinal data. There are, and they're demonstrable. Bottom line is this. It appears that some people are what they call, what I call biological operational amplifiers. Their presence serve to mediate and enhance what's in an environment. However, the majority, if not all, the poltergeist agents I've met, when men, women, tall, short, thin, fat, this, that, whatever, are either seizure-prone or epileptic. So, so you have someone who's hypersensitive to this and they're turned to seizure-prone or epileptic, what a coincidence all this stuff starts happening. Now, I have a lot of instruments I take out in my work to investigate things. 
These aren't the crap you see on TV. These are laboratory-grade devices. Now, here's what's known about this. It's very easy to measure a person's biological electric field. Very easy. It's pretty strong. However, if you want to measure the brain's activity, there is no handheld device because the system's got to be super cool to increase the sensitivity. However, you take your instruments, put them before a normal person, no, nothing happens. You put them in normal poltergeist agents. Who happens to be epileptic or seizure prone, the device goes crazy because your body's pumping out millions of times the energy of a normal situation. So, in the right place, right people, something happens. So, case to case, black people say, now this is interesting, doing this work a long time, thousands of cases. I investigated white people cases, Hispanic people, Asian people, but never once did I ever get a call from a black family to investigate their own, ever, which is odd because LA is a melting pot. You think statistically, yeah. I would. Nope. Maybe maybe they remember what Eddie Murphy said. We just leave. We don't stick around to deal with it. <laughs> well, and I wonder also if it's a cultural thing where you're just not supposed to talk about it. You keep it internalized. Maybe. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think I think in a yeah. lot of yeah. like, I think you'd probably find if we lived in the deep south, Dr. Taff, mm-hmm. I think we would probably find that a lot of people in very, very religious communities are experiencing paranormal activity right. and just right. not telling they just anybody. Don't talk about it. right because they 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 get right. bad if they brought it up. Yeah, right. Um, For fear they get kicked out of the church. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, right. Now it gives you a story that, that demonstrates how prevalent this linkage between being seizure epileptic epilepsy is. Okay, so I almost died in 2015. I went to a friend's house, up with his mother. I passed out. Woke up in a hospital. The next day, with tubes got coming out of my body, it felt like Frankenstein. And I had what happened: my prostate had grown so large, prevented my kidneys from draining into my bladder, and I passed out because I, you know, I didn't know. So wow. I was in the hospital for about five weeks, then the hospital, another, then a nursing hospital, then a nursing, then more surgeries. There was a procedure called a TERP procedure, which cuts out most of the. Um, well, prostate gland, who cares? So I'm back to normal. Now, after I came out of all the medical environment, I went and lived with a friend who initially was in Brentwood, and he moved to uh, Rancho Mirage, helped his mother out, bought a house they stayed in, in Rancho Mirage. So I'm coming there on April 17th of 2017. Beautiful home, place, well-furnished, very pleasant. So I think a couple of days later, I'm watching TV one night. My friend's out playing pool, and um, I'm the only one in the house, and I'm on a large sofa watching the TV series, and I hear a woman's voice to my right very clearly going, Barry, and I flew off the couch because someone shot me and the absolutely begun. There's no one in the house but me. Door's locked. Security thing. No. Okay. That was only a couple of days after I moved in. And then it was continual things, disembodied voices, luminous anomalies, machines turning on and off. I go, this is okay. My friend who lived there for quite some time, he had never had any previous to go there, never. So 
Then we moved because he wanted to fill the house to a bit better place. So we went from uh, Rancho Mirage to uh, Palm Desert. Very nice. Bigger rooms, better air conditioning, quieter. We moved in. Oh, good, nothing's going to happen. Instead of five days, it took several months. Boom, starts again. Luminous anomalies, disembodied voices, um, all types of stuff, apparitions, the whole thing. And I'm going, well, this is weird, huh? didn't make any sense. The chance of moving from one haunted house to another is astronomical. It's not going to happen. So one day I'm in the kitchen, my friend's in his office on the other side of the house. So he very uh, left some medication on the island to make sure. So I bring it to him. Now, I don't remember the names of the medication, but I remember one of them I recognized. It was an anticonvulsant. I said to my friend, why do you take this? It spasms in his muscles and arms and legs. I go, prevent him from sleeping. I go, you're seizure prone. Goes, oh, that's why things are happening here. He's the power supply and I'm the lens. The focal plane. Um, Interesting. Interesting. Over the decades, the faces will change, the places will change, but the nature of what's going on does not. Now, so, we were thrown out of the house because my friend getting in chronic arguments with the owner. I met her right after we moved in. Very nice middle-aged woman, about my age. Absolutely. Yeah, about a year younger than me. And she didn't like my friend, but she liked me. So he kept arguing with her. I said, leave her alone. She doesn't have good help. Leave the woman alone. Stop bothering her. He couldn't. So we were thrown out. So, okay. So then... uh Long story, I won't get too much here. Anyway, eventually, the Gulf Protective Services social worker brought me to this hotel I'm in uh, in September 2021. Nice place, little kitchenette, big TV, everything's great. So I'm here. A couple days later, I wake up and I'm disoriented. Why? Because the bed had been moved across the room with the foot of the bed now touched the dresser with the TV. Wow. But I, but I didn't do that. You know, the time, I've been wasting up at 6 in the morning or 4 in the morning. What, what? There's a woman to the side of my bed. I'm never older than me, a little haggard. Looks like she's dead and they forgot the barrier. And she's reaching out to me and I snapped back and then she was gone. Another time I came out of the shower, came in the room, dried myself off, blah, blah, blah. I walk in the room and I see at the foot of the bed there's a body laying there. You know what? And then, you know, gone um yeah it's, it's weird stuff so i discovered through some of the people that have worked for the longest that the third floor which is what i'm on is haunted so here we go again then right. weeks later right. i was um i was getting out of bed in a really weird way and besides that felt like was like something really warm was against me. I turn around, there's someone in the bed, and I look. Oh, and I jump, and I could see your younger woman, probably half my age, long black hair, didn't recognize. And then boom, what's the light going on? Um, and I jumped up thinking that I must have left the door open, which I did not do. Um, it, it gets to the point where you go, okay, at my age, I'll be seventy-five and days. You think things would slow down. Wow. Nope. Happy birthday. In some way, they, thank you. They, they, in some ways, they have gotten more intense over time. The oh, frequency yeah. 
my so, mom used to know, say that. She used to say every year she was on the earth, her gifts got stronger. Yeah. So things we've learned are astounding. But for all the things we know, the answers we've gotten, there are more questions to be asked. And it keeps going and going. And we're trying to evaluate ourselves. Um, it's hard to be objective. Um, yeah, it's very hard to be objective and, and to deal with some of it. Before I left LA, I was watching David of TV, some movie with, with a friend, and this blue ball goes rolling across the floor. I never saw it before. Mm. Sometime later, I'm watching a show, weird banging noise in the kitchen. I open the cupboard, and there's a weird object in one of them I never saw. It was a round metal ring, the middle being open with four, like, uh, legs. It's for cooking, where you put the heating source below it, and the thing to be warmed on top. The only thing is, right. I never had, I never had anything like that in my life, ever. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was uh, well, going to a meeting with the ABC in 2014 or something. Couldn't find my cell phone. Well, then I'll go without it. The waste of time anyway. I go there. I come home. I open the fridge to get some iced tea. The phone falls in front of me, hits the ground, breaks. Um, when I was living in L.A., Fior, uh, I got medications that were sent to me sometimes. So they were in a padded mailer with an inside of a little cardboard box. Oh, good. So I opened it up. I left it there. I need to take them now. When I'm blind of what I already have. Okay, so about a month and a half later, I need some of the Medicaid replacement. The item's not in my closet. Nothing. No, no padded mailer, no cardboard box, no nothing. I lost a suit, disappeared. A pair of shoes, disappeared. Uh, um, but the best one was um, a couple of months before I left L.A. And every couple of weeks, a woman would by and pay her to clean my place. So I knew her nicest back one, and uh, named Maria. And so, you know, I was in, I was typing when she came in. I said, okay. I look, I'm going in the shower. Okay, so I stop writing, go in the shower. So I'm in the shower, and I see her bang on the door. Barry, 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 help, help. So what the hell? So I jump out, put my bathrobe on, get out. What's the problem? I said, I just saw you at the computer. Yeah, I was there. No, I saw you at the computer a moment ago. What? But, yeah. Uh, had it later down for half an hour. She was shaking so badly. She left. I paid her. She didn't finish the repairs. I could do that. Um, and she never came back. So that's, you know. Wow. Lesson is, yeah. what was yeah. going on? Now, all of the phenomena around me, the physical phenomena, seem to be linked to a case I worked in. Okay. In my book, Aliens Above, Ghosts Below, I talk about <clears throat> something called, I invented a term called, a psychovirus. So instead of a normal pathogen, a virus or bacteria, which we can determine its vector when it approaches the, this is different. The evidence suggests that there's some that we can be affected by things remotely. Case in 1989 sure. with Barry Conrad at San Pedro, we were working there. Barry a lot more than me because my father passed away for hell, and I have my mother, but. Phenomena started happening around Barry and around Jeff Wheatcraft that was working with us. Yes. So, yes. All right. So, um, 
uh, what's her name? Jackie moved into the little bungalow in San Pedro. That from a strange house, get away from a crazy husband. We go there, luminous anomalies, machines turning on and off, um, viscous liquid coming out of the, the, the walls. No, no. We took some samples and it be human blood plasma. Goes on and on. So she moves, went up to a couple hundred miles north of LA, and new people moving into her old apartment having, started having the same phenomena. Well, meanwhile, Jackie continues to have it where she now lives. So what is it? It's sort of like, so let's say you're perfectly yeah. healthy and you've got to go visit some friends. Their kids are sick. They're in the back. You never see them or touch them. You're great. You come home. You get sick. You give it to your family. We understand that's how pathogens work. There's something similar, if not identical, happening in the paranormal. It's now called contagion. I agree. Uh, and I apparently yeah. was the first person ever reference it. The case I worked on that triggered in me was the CL Drive case. Is it David Oman? Sure. I know David very well. Yeah. So I was I worked on his case for a year. I got sick there 16 times in the ER. I stopped going because go, people, the doctors, you make you sick. Why do you keep going? Because we're learning something. Yeah, and if you're dead, you'll learn even more. So I right. I, <laughs> right. I'm getting a little too focused on this. So uh, I have two articles in my website. They will both be in my new book, which it hasn't finished writing yet. Um, one article is called um, Cielo Drug Convergence, the Ultimate Field Laboratory, and the next is called Cielo Drive 2. Uh, it's amazing. Now, one of the pictures that came wow. in there, after I started working there, there was some event at David's house. And uh, a woman was starting to have look like a mild seizure. So this other woman took a picture with a regular camera. Came out all weird lights, screaming like she was moving. So they gave it to me and it took me hours to enhance it. I did. And what I saw was bands of energy spinning around her head and her upper torso. And I go, what? Why wasn't it seen? Because it happens in one one ten thousandth of a second. Our eyes can't access things that happen that quickly. And you can see these energies wrapping around her head, and that's why she was very likely having starting to have a seizure. So uh, I, there was no power yeah. on earth that would get me to go back to the house, not because of David, but because I don't want to end up in the hospital. I don't blame you, and I don't blame you. My friend, we are we are completely out of time. I'm so sorry. Oh, okay. Let's schedule another day for you to come back because we can easily kick okay. another hour out yeah. of so many questions for okay. you. Um, where okay. can so people we'll, find we'll, you, sweetie? Is there, we'll do it again. The, my, website is, my, website, my website is barrypath.net. Over 100 Super. things I've written and published, and that's how you can find me. Wonderful. Everybody go there okay. and find uh, Dr. Barry Taft. And, and Dr. Taft, thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to give you a text message, and we're going to schedule another day because you are awesome. If you miss any of those links, you can find uh, me at SheenaMetalSpiritual.com and everywhere on social media, just at Sheena Metal and uh, the show at HauntedPlayground.com. And, of course, we are everywhere, including iHeartRadio.com. And such an honor to be there and to be everywhere. 
It's Haunted Playground, and I'm Sheena Metal. We're here every Thursday at 3 o'clock Pacific time. Until I see you next time, seek peace, live in love, lead with kindness, embrace unity, always work to raise your vibration, and remember that you are loved, and you are loved, and you're so loved by me. I'll see you next week. Take care of you. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.